Good morning. It's uh, good to be back here again and see you all. We, we've been away for three Sundays and uh, this is my first Sunday back and then I'm going away next Sunday. So I, I think most of my church, have, they've seen me just as much as you've seen me in the last however long. So um, it's good to be back. Um, I'm going to be talking about communion again. So if, you, if you've got a Bible and you want to t- turn to John chapter 6. Um, just thought I might, uh, yeah, just update you. We're um, at Kings. We're 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 summer as well, and we've we're slightly sort of down in numbers over the summer holidays, mainly because I'm away, uh, so that reduces the numbers. But um, we're we're doing well, and um, on the whole, and we've we've just like you actually just gathered people to us since lockdown. Sort of people gathered to us, and um, we've got quite a few new people. So. If, when you next see us together, you, you might have some unfamiliar faces there, which is which is great. Um, we've just discovered in our building, um, we actually actually have the roof fixed. Our, our church uh, treasurer has always said, since I've been there, he says we're not a proper church until we've got a, an appeal outside the church with a thermometer for for our roof. Um, but uh, <laughs> fortunately, we, we were. Grateful to God we've had enough money to, to fix the roof, but now we've, we've got a problem above our windows as well. It looks like the lintels have gone, so we have to fix those. So do pray for us, because um, we just have some building. I, I, if I'm honest, I just can't be doing with all stuff like that. It's just oh, it's just, just a bit frustrating, a bit boring, but it has to be done. So do pray for us, because we, we've got that going on at the moment. And, um, and then finally, actually, um, as Florin will start studying in September, I'm, I'm starting studying as well for... The first time in goodness knows how long, I'm going to be doing a master's in um, a thing called spiritual formation. So in three years' time, I'll be masterfully spiritually formed, hopefully. Um, uh, so that's at Waverley Abbey, if any of you have been to Waverley Abbey. So um, I'm looking forward to that and um, just seeing what God will do through that. Um, yeah, so just thought I might use, give a bit of an update. That's what's happening in our world, over at King's and in my world. Uh, we've just come back from holidays. Well. I've just been to Morocco. Uh, for 10 days which has been really nice and um, yeah it was actually it was actually really nice temperature actually sort of mid-20s where we were Um, we went inland for one we're on the coast we went inland for one day and it was 37 degrees there so we we came back (laughs) quite quickly anyway there we go Um, let's just quickly pray again Lord I just thank you that we can be together this morning Ah, oh, Lord, speak to us through your word and nourish us with yourself today as we, as we are together in your presence. Uh, open our eyes to see you and to know you. Open our hearts to know you more and to receive from you. We thank you for your amazing grace and your goodness to us. Come and move by your spirit now as we open up your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Um, it's just happened that I've been here um, each first Sunday of the month for the last few times, and we've been talking about communion. So guess what I'm going to be talking about today? Communion, yes. So if you've got John chapter 6 uh, open, we're going to start. I'm going to read quite a long passage I'm going to read to you from uh, verse 25. Um, uh, and just to give you a bit of context, um, if, so that we don't read the whole chapter, but the beginning of the chapter, you've got feeding of the 5,000. 
And then, I mean, this is all just happens in 24 verses. It's great. Feeding the 5,000. And then the disciples sort of head off. It's a bit, I love it. It's kind of like, it's a bit like, have you ever been waiting for somebody to leave church? And they're just talking, you know, and you've, you're the one giving the lift. And it's like, yeah, some, mainly the men are nodding. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of like, well, this kind of happens with the disciples. They're kind of like, oh, Jesus, just hanging around. So they just kind of take off on the boat. And then Jesus... He, he doesn't despair at not having a lift. He just kind of walks on the water and, and goes out and meets them. You know, it's kind of like as if only, only we could do that. And, and so that's all happened. And then after that, this is what we're reading from, from verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one, who has, seen the Father, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, 
and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. I know that's quite a long reading, but um, it's actually just as I'm reading, it's a real honor just to read, read these words Jesus spoke and, and just to, to, to di- digest them really, literally. <laughs> um, because today I'm talking about communion as food. Um, so, so here we've got Jesus and he's speaking to this crowd. Now, I'm guessing a good part of them will be some of those 5,000 that he's fed. Uh, maybe other, they are then told other people, there's this guy and he just fed all of us. Come and hear what he's got to say. Um, maybe they wanted to find out about more about this miracle. But um, somehow he's, he's walked on water, by the way, and they didn't even know that. And he's on the other side of the lake and, and he's drawn this crowd. Now, somebody with an ego, and there's plenty of people like that in the world today, uh, they're pleased to draw a crowd, aren't they? They, they want to draw a crowd. We, we, we live in a world where we want followers, and, or the, the world around us wants followers and likes and approval and popularity and influence and power and all these things. Um, but it seems like Jesus isn't really interested in any of that. And actually, he seems to do his level best <laughs> uh, to lose followers and, and lose popularity in what he says in this, in this thing here. First of all, he starts out and he calls out their motivations. And he says to them, look, let's be honest. You're not here because of the miracles and the signs. You're not here for a spiritual experience. You're not here to learn discipleship from the rabbi. What he says to them is, you're here because of the food. Yeah? Let's be honest, you're here because of the food, <laughs> you know, he says to them. And, and actually, isn't that true? Isn't it true that we, we, we gather here uh, because we like eating together? He says, you eat, you're here because you ate the bread and were filled. And that's a basic human need, is it not? If we don't eat, we die. Simple as that. So food, actually, in sort of, I think, if you're into Bear grills, I think the order of priority, isn't it? Sort of shelter, isn't it? Water and food and those kind of things. And then everything else you can just about live without, you know. And so, anyway, it's, it's a high priority. It's a very high priority, absolutely. And in fact, actually, if, if you had a hungry person and you said to them, well, come to a Bible study or come around for dinner, which one are they most likely to take you up on? Let's be honest. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Unless your cooking is really bad. Um, We all need to eat. Food matters. All around the world, food matters. It's a basic necessity of life. Um, So that's what's going on here. And Jesus calls them out. And so I can imagine some of them think, you know, some of the kind of like people who think they're spiritual kind of, well, how dare he say that? You know, I'm I'm here to look. Yeah. And I'm imagining actually the the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, sometimes we imagine this sort of very dry bread that he kind of managed just about to eke out. And we're all kind of like... Just about gone. I am wondering whether this is the most amazing sort of focaccia and all kinds of things going on, and and we're like, this bread is. Have you ever been somewhere where you just you go to a restaurant, and you think this bread is amazing? I don't want the main course. This bread here will do. You know, I went to a place in California once where they just 
brought out this bread, and I'm thinking, that's it. I don't need anything else. So let's have the bread. And I imagine the feeding of the 5,000 would be something like that. That's even before the fish. Anyway, so I'm, I'm going off a bit here. Um, so then Jesus, he introduces this old story, or they, they actually sort of come back to this old story. Um, story uh, of way back in, in the, the story of Israel, the story um, when they are led out of slavery, the Israelites, and they're trekking through the desert to freedom. And you can imagine, they've been slaves in Egypt for however many hundreds of years, and they're now free people, and they're walking free, and they're in the desert, and they're grumbling. Why are they grumbling? Because they're hungry. They're hungry. They're starving to death. And they're thinking, well, the food was good in captivity. Yeah? Actually, I know people who are on the streets who get themselves arrested because they have shelter and they have food. Safe. Yeah? And so this is what's happening to the Israelites. They, they're, they're in the desert and they're grumbling. They're not rejoicing in the freedom and the power of God, you know, which we should be doing in church, right? When we're with God's people. We should be rejoicing. You know, come on, rejoice. We're in the freedom of God. We're hungry. but we've got, we... No, they're just saying we're hungry. And we're moaning about it. And don't think for a minute we'll be any different in that situation. If we're out there in the desert, and in Morocco we were out in slightly in the desert, and it's hot, and, you know, it, you get niggly quite quickly, they're out there, they're yearning for food because food matters. And they were yearning to return to the land of captivity to be slaves again just for the sake of food. It's a powerful motivator, food. So in this story, the Lord tells Moses, he says, he will rain down bread from heaven. Because he's heard their grumbling and he sees their need and God provides this mysterious bread. You know, I think it's interesting that God doesn't provide something familiar to them. You know, which would have been some unleavened bread, you know, some sort of five-pack of pita from Tesco's, you know, that kind of thing. That would have been familiar. Oh, I know what this is. Or for us, maybe a, a white-sliced hovis. You know, this dropped down with, from a, with a parachute from heaven. We think, oh, yeah, I know what that is. That's bread. And that's come from heaven. All right, I'll call that bread from heaven. No, they have this stuff, which they're kind of, they end up calling manna. Manna means what is it? That's, that's the translation. So this stuff from heaven comes down and we start eating it and we call it what is it because we don't really know what it is but it'll do because we're, we're hungry. And again, if you're hungry, you'll just eat whatever it, whatever it is. Um, but it's a bit of a mystery to them. And every day they got this daily heavenly bread delivery. Um, again, in Morocco. <laughs> we're in Morocco. I, I think Moroccans seem to think that well, the Moroccans we met seem to think we eat a lot more than we eat. Anyway, we would de- they would deliver a, a bread, just the four of us, and then f- uh, eight pancakes every single day. Well, after three days, we just said, stop the bread delivering because we can't eat this much. And, and, but that's, that's kind of what God was doing. Just like, here, here's some mysterious stuff we're going to call manna, bread from heaven. And they lived on that. That's how God sustained them. So Jesus is kind of like, and they're referring to this story and this kind of interaction Jesus got with these, this crowd of foodies. Let's call them the, the, the foodies. They've come to Jesus. And, and he's exposed their reasons for being there. You're here because of the food. And, and he takes that old story, which is a story about food as well, and a story about bread from heaven, and he retells it around himself. Jesus is very good at retelling stories around himself because actually he's saying, if you want to understand me, you need to know the story that came before. And he says, it's the Father who gives true bread from heaven. And then he says, he goes on to describe himself as, as 
as I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers, they ate manna in the wilderness, but they died. But Jesus speaks of something greater than himself, and he says, I am the true bread from heaven. If you eat this, if you eat me, you'll have everlasting life. I am the new bread from heaven. I'm the kind of like the the upgraded version of, of that story you know from old. And there was probably people there as, as we know from this story, just, just as there are, probably are now, what, for the last 2,000 years, people thinking, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Eat my body and drink my blood. It's a bit odd. How does that work? How do we eat Jesus, the bread from heaven? How do we do that? You know, they, they, I'm sure those in the crowd, they're kind of thinking, right, do, do you know what he's talking about? Are you sure? is, has he lost it? You know, how, did, in, how does how's this work? And we've been saying the same kind of thing for the last 2,000 years. In fact, churches have split over it. How can the true bread of heaven, this, how can we eat this? I mean, they were saying, this is Joseph's son. We know his mum and dad. We watched him grow up. He's just a lad from the village. You know, He's just, just a guy who's grown up, and now he's saying he's bread from heaven. And, and people have been trying to figure that out for the last 2,000 years. So actually, then Jesus makes things completely clear or actually completely really weird. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Does that clarify it for you? Got it? I mean, that actually would have been very, very offensive to the Jewish people. You know, the idea of drinking someone's blood, eating their flesh, that was just like completely, I mean, it's not particularly pleasant now if I said that to you. No, Julie's pretty, yeah. Yeah, grossed out by that. Fair enough. Um, And they would have, yeah. But anyway, maybe we don't quite get it. Maybe just like the manna from heaven, we're going, well, what is this? What is this? As we take communion, we take Jesus' words by faith, but at the same time, there's some mysterious thing going on here that we're not quite sure about. But let us remember when we take communion that Jesus said, Jesus' flesh is real food and his blood is real drink. And just as the Israelites, from, they, they received this bread from heaven and they called it, what is it? And they had that mysterious thing. It was a real meal, though. They didn't quite know what it was, but every day they, they had no choice, really. They obediently just took this stuff and they ate it and, and they survived on it. When we take communion, we're eating a real meal and we feed on Christ. And it is mysterious, but it is true. And I think that takes our communion from being a kind of ritual or something that we, we kind of do as a, I don't know, as a thing when, and it, it's just a sort of a, a part of something we're not, you know, we just do it. But actually it, it becomes something that's a vital necessity to all of us. Because Jesus said, eat this and you will have eternal life. If you don't, you won't. So we need to eat the true bread of heaven, Jesus, to survive. And I don't think that's just a symbolic act. I think, remember, I've talked about sacrament where God ministers himself to us in the physical and the real things of this world. This is a real meal. Jesus is real food. And that takes faith because we're going to, you know, it's just white sliced at the end of the day, isn't it? In one sense. But mysteriously, as we come together in faith and we take this together, this is a mysterious 
interaction with the body and blood of Christ. And by the way, if you're going to try and get your head around that, you can try, but I don't think we'll ever well completely get our heads around it. And there's, there's lots of different, different opinions on how that works, and I've touched on this before, but, you know, and, and if you come from a Catholic background, you know that they have one way of looking at it. If you come from a Baptist background, you'll have a different way of looking at it. But this is what Tom Wright says. I think this is helpful. He says, um, do you know Tom Wright, theologian? Ah, oh, you don't know Tom Wright? Oh, I thought I talked always about Tom Wright. Tom Wright is one of my, f- he's still alive. He's just an amazing theologian. Um, he, he writes really well for, for anybody to, if you see anything written by Tom Wright, read that. If you want something a bit deeper, he publishes under the, right, the, the, the name N.T. Wright. If you see anything by N.T. Wright, that's a little bit deeper. And you might want to think, okay, I'll, I'll read the Tom Wright first. But just really great at just opening up things, uh, particularly in the New Testament. Um, check him out. Really good. But anyway, he says this. In the early church, there was a range of opinion. What mattered was that those who came to the Lord's Supper, or whatever you called it, because he actually acknowledges that we call it all different traditions, call it different things. In truth, faith really did, they, they really did feed on Christ. They really were nourished by the person, the presence, and the love of Jesus. How that happened, the theological chemistry of it, if you like, wasn't important and probably wasn't knowable either. So there you go. As we take communion, we eat bread from heaven. And the Israelites, they had a foretaste of Christ in the manna from heaven, which is this mysterious thing which they called, what is it? But now we know what it is. We have the fullness of Christ. We know the true bread from heaven, and we know what it's called, not what is it, but Jesus. So as we take communion, Christ nourishes us with himself. We feed on him. He's the food that sustains us to eternal life. He is the real meal. And let's remember the context of what Jesus says. The crowd he's talking to is likely made up of 5,000 he fed, or at least a good proportion of them. And the 5,000, they weren't just impressed. It wasn't just an impressive miracle, that feeding of the 5,000. It filled people's stomachs. And he demonstrated that in a natural way, but actually he was showing something that actually he was doing in a much greater spiritual way. That Jesus is the real food that nourishes us and sustains us for eternal life. I'd even go so far to say that no one can survive without the food of Christ. So when we, in a, in a few moments, we're going we're to share bread and the cups together and let us remember that this is Christ and we need him and we need to feed on him. And just as the Israelites needed to feed on the bread from heaven, we need to feed on the bread from heaven. We need to, to drink his blood and know um, his nourishing to us. Hmm. I'm just going to read you. We're going to uh, share communion now, but I'm going to finish with one last quote. I've been reading some early church fathers. You know, some of the so these are the guys that were disciples of the disciples, the disciples of the apostles. One of them's a guy from called Saint Ignatius from Antioch. He says, "Breaking one and the same bread." And I love how he describes it, which is the medicine of immortality. The bread is the medicine of immortality and the antidote to prevent us from dying and a cleansing remedy to drive away all evil that we should live in God through Christ Jesus. 
that guy there, who I don't think met Jesus, but was a disciple of the disciple, he was convinced that this taking of communion was more than just part of our worship, that this was what we do. He was convinced that it was actually the medicine of immortality. It's real food. It's real powerful stuff. So we're going to prepare ourselves now to, to, to share uh, communion.